Let's talk chip makers, starting with Taiwan Semiconductor down 5.5%, dragging on the space, which had just broken out the chip makers as a sector to a high and then couldn't maintain it. Victor Kossel joins us, TMT desk analyst from Cornerstone Macro. Uh, Victor, uh, well, good to have you here. Let's start by talking some TSM here because uh, the profits look pretty decent. Numbers looked okay, at least from my layman's standpoint, but the thing got slammed anyway. What happened? Yeah, this was generally a setup for Onyx formation, as you uh, as you said, slammed. Uh, why? Well, part of it is positioning. Uh, guys thought that the Apple data point in the last day or two was going to represent a better back half outlook, a better sequential guide. They actually disappointed on a sequential guide. Street was already there. The year over year guide while coming up is actually lower or kind of in line with where the street was. Uh, when you talk about profits, profits growth is slowing pretty dramatically. Uh, they're almost at 10% year over year versus sort of 20% year over year revenue growth. And the real key to that is that the incremental margin is rolling over. And that's typically a bad signal in semis when the incremental dollar of sales is yielding less and less profit, uh, that's a mid-cycle correction. Okay, so the growth is there as we see top line, but this is a derivative situation. This is a rate of change uh, that you're saying is slowing. Well, it's a second derivative, I guess, because we've got a year-over-year -year change that is now slowing down. Uh, is Taiwan Semi considered a growth stock in that category to where it's going to have problems if the rate of growth slows? Uh, well, absolutely. We're looking at uh, monthly data that we actually get out of the Taiwan supply chain. And the rate of change deceleration is pretty significant. Why? Uh, tech actually had an aberrational demand shock last year to the upside. And it's going to be very hard to repeat everyone locking down, everyone buying a laptop, everyone refreshing their mobile phone in 2021 uh, without stimulus checks uh, going forward. So A, the compare is very difficult year over year. As it relates to Taiwan Semi specifically, the sequential guide for the third quarter is actually below seasonal, meaning what they've done in the last three quarters of the third quarter of the trailing three years, it's actually a little slower than uh, what they have produced in the past. So that starts to set up some question marks about what you know what's really going on. Now the caveat to what you said is uh, year over year is coming down. It's actually looking better half over half. This is all the kind of nuance, but the differential is what matters. And the differential is faster sales growth, slowing profit growth. And why? For the first time in a long time, Taiwan Semi has to invest not only in the leading edge of technology, but the lagging edge. The lagging edge was generally fully depreciated, amortized. It was gravy to the margin. Now you've got to go back and invest in legacy equipment at the same time you're in an arms race with uh, Intel on the front end hmm. to the leading edge. And that's that subsidization from the lagging edge isn't there this cycle. And that's the concern when you look at the return profile going forward and why I think the stock was slammed. Can you explain what you mean by the lagging edge, Victor? Sure, so you introduce uh, a brand new technology, call it 20 nanometer. This is transistors, you know, jamming more transistors. Uh, on a chip, uh, as that matures every 12 to 18 months, it becomes older technology as you advance on the leading edge. Mm -hmm. And the basic gist is guys like autos, industrials, a lot of components that go into crypto, a lot of components that go into PCs are manufactured on the lagging edge. Right. Your NVIDIA, your Qualcomm, 
Apple, the super fancy guys, that's all on the leading edge. You would basically subsidize the leading edge investment, which is significant, right? This is lasers through water to make chips, very difficult process. But you needed money from the lagging edge, that was your cash cow to fund your leading. And now they're at a point where they have to invest in both of those at the same time. So CapEx is coming up in general, and then capital intensity. So the CapEx relative to your sales because of the complexities coming up. Uh, I would just call this cost of growth. It's a very right. difficult situation. Well, that's kind of what we were talking about this morning. And um, I think the points might be connected. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But the idea that they might have to start building now plants here domestically, too, is kind of a geopolitical hedge. I mean, that definitely falls under the same category, CapEx. I don't know if that's to, to, to compete on the lagging tech side, but that certainly falls under the category of CapEx and growth being more costly. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of the near-term headline stuff, and you're absolutely correct, so no need for revision. But if we go a little deeper uh, for a little Semiconductor 101 history lesson, uh, the great thing about Taiwan Semi is they aggregated everybody's chips and they made them in basically one point of production. That now is spreading out. They're gonna have fabs in Arizona. Apparently, they're gonna have more fabs in Arizona. They're considering a fab in Japan and potentially Europe. And basically think if you did 50,000 wafer starts per month in one place, that's great. You scale largely uh, absorbing those fixed costs in a very good way. Now, when you disperse or fragment that production, you've got some over here, you got some over there. It's kind of like a yard sale formation, if you will. And you don't have the same scale benefits. Uh, how do you offset that? You have to raise price. What did Taiwan Semi say they're not doing? They're not raising price as aggressively as expected. So they need to recoup these investments, but longer term, the return profile, when you're running you know, four different geographies of fabs, you're not gonna have the same return profile as you had over the last decade over centralization, globalization. Hmm. Uh, Victor, to connect this to the macro themes, as I know you pay very close attention to as part of this as well, uh, when we look at the way chips have struggled to break out, and the, the comps that are so difficult given the push forward of demand for tech. I mean, that's been the framework that I've been operating under here uh, for months, thinking about how difficult that's going to be, that valuations for these stocks probably shouldn't be as high in a post-COVID world as they were uh, in the heat of COVID. How do we explain then Apple in particular? I mean, not to go off track here, but they're gonna make their own chips. A lot of these companies are sending their end product into Apple and the thing has gone ballistic. Has it just taken on like a totally separate safety trade that's got nothing to do with fundamentals or what? Uh, well, there's a couple of things. I mean, you can always consider that uh, big cap, mega cap tech is kind of a, A, it's a duration asset, but it might be even an asset class of its own. And and that's like the hyper bullish tech analyst in me is talking about tech as a tech right. as its own asset class. Uh, I think what's really going on is number one, you've had a uh, significant onyx formation, if you will, uh, China tech getting absolutely slammed. So, you know, if you're a domestic or global investor not in China and your China tech allocation is getting hammered every day, you know, what do you do? You sell and you deploy that money elsewhere. Uh, what do you do? You generally want to deploy it in the most liquid and or like for like asset you can find. And Apple has, you know, the benefits of actually still selling in China, unlike any other uh, mega cap US tech company, Apple's really your only China play. So if you wanna be exposed to China without the headache of regulation and the heavy hand, uh, Apple's a good way to park money. 
The problem with that is the, the index impact is very outsized. And what you're seeing is the NASDAQ equal weight is starting to really underperform the heavyweight NASDAQ, the market cap weighted. And every time we've seen that kind of cloistering in the past, you really get a growth scare. And when you get the growth scare, you get a 10 to 15% correction, which has generally kept us uh, fairly negative on the NASDAQ and the, the whole lot of stocks there. All right, uh, there it is, as we see those uh, PEs having trouble staying afloat. So they're not breaking down, doing a little plateau here as we expect earnings to peak out. So, Victor, thanks for the connection here from the stock specifics to the macro side. Very helpful here for us. Good stuff. Thanks for your time, Oliver. Absolutely. Yours too. Victor Costles, the TMT Desk Analyst at Cornerstone Macro.